As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Everyone has a unique superpower. What's yours? Tune in each week to get expert advice on creating the life you've always dreamt of. Be the change you wish to see. Ignite your inspiration. Fuel your purpose. Live your passion. And fire it up with CJ.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fire It Up with CJ show. Today, we are going to be talking to Melissa T. Schultz about her book, From Mom to Me Again. I can't wait to talk to you about this book. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Happy to be here. So um, I uh, I had this girlfriend at work who uh, she was going to get married um, to her husband two weeks from two weeks before me. So she was and she was a planner. So she had like done like she had like a wedding cake person that she'd done all this research for and she'd done all this stuff. And I would just draft behind her saying, now, who was that wedding cake person? And then I'd go and I'm like, yeah, they're really good. So now I'm doing that with you. <laughs> I'm going to uh. hopefully draft behind <laughs> after all of your hard work, hoping that it doesn't have to be so hard for me as I go through this transition. I don't know if it's possible because uh, everyone goes through their transition differently. But before the show, I was telling you that my son is leaving um, in six weeks to college. And uh, not that I'm counting. Um <laughs> But I'm trying to get prepared, and, and and sadly, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I literally have thought about this for the last two years, Have been because I've been doing shows with radio hosts, yeah, it's a radio host going, talking to other guests, talking about what you should be doing to launch your children as, in junior year and senior year, and inevitably what happens is you're getting them ready for college, so inadvertently, I've been launching myself for the last two years, so... Um, I want to talk about you and your book and what it was like for you when you, um, and it's been four years since you've been an empty nester. 
Right, right. I have two sons, and the youngest one left four years ago, and he just graduated from college. So, wow. Oh, my goodness. I just got chills when <laughs> when you said that. Wow. So, they're now they're like launched even from school, and they're on what they're going to be going on to their adult lives. They're moving on. They are. It oh, happens. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> when I read your book, there's many, um, there's a lot of loss that's happening here. Um, and, and when your child leaves in college, and I don't know if a lot of us are conscious of it, but now in retrospect, when you look at all the different, you know, when you look at the losses that happen, how would you describe the loss that happens when your kids leave for college? Well, and as you and I were talking about a little bit before the show, I, for me, um, you know, when you have your children, your, your focus shifts and, um, you, um, you know, that takes you through a chunk of, of your life, uh, 18, 20, 21, 25 years, depending on how many children you have and how far apart they are. And then when those children leave, um, that's a pretty dramatic shift. So that's a pretty huge change, even as they've matured and they go to junior high and high school and they're taking on more responsibilities, you're still their, their, you know, their person, their people. And so when they leave, uh, you don't, you're not, you're not in that active stage of parenting anymore. Um, mm. you're, you become and you make the shift that I talk about in the book about going from active parenting to mentor. And um, it takes practice, just like it took practice to become a parent and to move into all the many stages of parenting. I mean, mm. we write, we've written so many books and read so many books about, um, uh, you know, how to become a parent and what, what to expect when you become a parent. But there weren't many books out there for me, which is why I wrote this book, about, you know, how to prepare for the empty nest. There's lots about what to do once the nest is empty, but you really need a transition process to prepare mm -hmm. yourself uh, for this, this, this new stage because it, the silence can be <laughs> deafening. You mentioned that the stillness and silence is, is deafening. Is that, and I, I think I know what that is, but of course I don't know what it is. I know there is one, one evening where my husband was out of the house and on a business trip. My kids were out on various um, social engagements and I was in the house by myself and I've never felt so alone in my life. I, I thought, and I, I could have called, like I didn't get myself organized enough because I didn't think I was going to be in this state of being right. alone in the house. And so um, you talk about this in your book, like the energy was all gone from the house. Like their energy, no one's energy, but my own energy was in the house. Is that what you mean by the stillness and silence yes. or is it something else? Okay, no, that I, sucked. That it. really sucked. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't stay that way. I'm here to tell you it doesn't stay okay. that way. And we learn to make our own energy. But I think for me, especially, uh, you know, having two sons, they always had friends there. There was just always commotion. There was always something going on. Somebody's coming in and out. It's sort of a revolving door. And they do. They bring this energy. And we... Uh, are all about organizing that energy as they're growing, right? And helping them, you know, use it the right way and then helping them settle down and wake up and get to school. And then, it, you know, our process is about, okay, what's next? Um, the focus, even though it's, it can, it's still on your marriage and it's still on you and your spouse or your significant other, if you have one or if you're a single parent, it, you know, it's still, a, you're in that picture. I don't mean to say that you're not, but the truth is, 
you know, kids need guidance. And so we're always on call. And even when I lay my head down at night when my kids were in high school and they were out, I still felt like I was on call. There was still this sort of energy. And then when they'd come in, right, in the middle of the night and I'd hear the food in the kitchen, I'd, I mean, hear them cooking in the kitchen, I'd smell the foods cooking. There's that energy and I'm thinking, oh, yes. please clean that up. Please clean that up. Um, but then they're gone and nobody's doing that anymore. And there's yeah. no doors opening and closing and it's whatever Music you blasting. bring. Right. It's whatever you bring, you know, to, to the house and that you mm-hmm. get to set that, that energy. So mm-hmm. it's different. It's a different requirement from you. Yeah. And so, um, I'm how changing my you said it changes. So, um, and I, and I think I, I think I may know what you're talking about. Cause you said it moves from their energy being gone to then you filling the whole space with your energy. Right. So that when they return, you're like, you know, <laughs> Why are why are those shoes there again? Or right. why are socks there again? Is that what happens, or what? Ha- what did you mean? It's so it seems like yeah. yeah. What happens during that process of they leave? Their energy's gone. Their energy, your energy, fills the space. They come back. <laughs> What's that all about? It's a test. It really is a test. I think for both parties, and you kind of have to get to know each other in this new way. Um, mm. Which I, it's just why you want to have a conversation with them before they leave the house. This is new for you. This is new for me. You know, let's talk about this. I'm going to mess up. You're going to mess up. We need to forgive each other as we learn how to relate to one another on this new level. And because while you're gone, I'm going to be doing something sort of on a parallel track of growing myself. Mm -hmm. And I know you're going to have all this growth. And I want to share in all that as much as you, you know, will let me um, and are comfortable. But know when you come back, um, things were going to have shifted a little bit. So I'm going to expect you to do some more things for yourself. And I know you're going to be proud of me for doing some new things for myself. So that's, that takes a little bit of time um, and conversation and getting used to. But I found my first couch. It was my first couch of my own, as I say, because <laughs> I never really had one that was sort of mine. Everybody had a flop space, you know, that was my, that was my one son's, it was another, it was my husband's. And I just was never in one of those spaces. I was already right. upright in a chair. And, <laughs> and after, after, after they left, I found this great couch and I thought that's my couch now. And when they come home and when they first started coming home, if they were in their, that, that space, I found myself getting a little territorial about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get out of that space. Wait, so did you buy yourself a a couch for you to sit on, or is this like did you like take someone else's co- couch and then claim I, it? As yours? I, I, yes, I took someone else's and I reclaimed it. I reclaimed it, put a few new pillows on it, a throw that I was like, oh, this is a nice, comfy blanket. This one's mine, but. Um, I didn't know that I was missing that. Yeah, I didn't I, understand that I was missing that. As yeah. independent as I always felt, and as forward moving as I always felt, and as much as I felt like I had, you know, maintained a, a level of a career because I had stepped back from a full time mm-hmm. career to mm-hmm. a freelance one. Um, I and I was certain I'd be fine, but m- my heart really sort of it sort of broke in 10 million different ways. Um, and I mm-hmm. had to rebuild it and tell myself, Oh, I, I know who I am. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've sent them off and they, they are getting a really good sense of who they are, but I kind of forgot about me. I forgot to nurture 
me, including having that space on that couch. Yeah, it's funny. I I just met with um, my um, spiritual coach and I said, I think I need to get used to two things. I need to get used to stillness because I've noticed my girlfriends who haven't gotten used to stillness. These are friends of mine who are in their 70s or 80s. Like they're still doing and running around and worrying. I'm like, God, I I don't want to be at 70 or 80 worrying about anything anymore. I just want to be like that Zen grandmother let like a pear <laughs> pear sitting down right out like flopping down and just like being chill about everything so I said I want to get used to the stillness and um I I want to learn how to love myself like I almost have lost the sense of how to love myself because I've spent my whole like now it will be probably 20 years when my second one leaves loving someone else. And I don't yes. even know, how, like you lose how to love yourself. Is that how you felt? I don't know how to explain yes. it, but I, I, that's my no. sense of like, I don't even know how to do that anymore. No, I think you're doing it perfectly. Um, you do, you, you lose how to love yourself. You learn your, your view of yourself changes because you're, I, for me, I'm a mother first and foremost from, mm-hmm. you know, is my, my, decision to bring them into this world and I felt this responsibility um, for these human beings to make sure they were cared for and they knew they were loved and you know but along the way that energy that I put in there um, I into into that process I think uh, I didn't save enough or reserve enough for myself and I do think a lot of women especially of our generation um, and maybe a little bit less for this newer generation that I'm seeing of, of parents. Um, they do seem to understand that a little better, that, that, mm-hmm. that I think the best parents find a way to take time for themselves and, and um, make sure their needs are met as best they can. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I've had to learn, relearn to do that. And, and, and mm-hmm. in some ways, probably for the first time, um, you know, respect um, what my needs are and ask for things and ask for help where mm-hmm. I was sort of very proud before and thought I can do all this. I can multitask. I can have a career and I can have mm-hmm. children and my house can be the way I want it to be. And now I think, you know, maybe my house doesn't have to be that, that, uh, that clean or that, you right. know, perfect. Right. Um, you know, maybe, you know, that's not what's important right now at this stage of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I went through a similar process. I think it was probably when the kids were around, um, I think when they were in grammar school that I thought, I I, I don't even know how, I, I'm like, I'm always doing things for them that I had lost a sense of self-love for myself. And, and, it, and it happens very slowly. And even having worked on it, it's still something, I mean, so that was, you know, a long time ago, probably like 10 to 15 years ago. And I'm still working myself out of that. Like I was conscious and aware that I was giving so much to them. And then I was working myself away from that. But even at this juncture, I still like, it's, it's almost like a, maybe it's our karmic journey, right? Or life journey to like, learn to love ourselves. So maybe it's, maybe it's a natural path. I don't know. I'm not sure. You know sure. that there was a, a L'Oreal commercial that I refer to in the book. Do you remember mm-hmm. this hair care commercial uh, um, where I'm shifting this camera because it decided to move on its own? It's got gremlins in it. Yes. Um, it was a L'Oreal commercial, I think, from the 70s. And they talk about how you should spend the money 
to color your hair or whatever the product was right. because you're worth it. Yes. And that really struck me at that time of my life to hear mm-hmm. that spoken aloud that, you mm-hmm. know, you should do something because you're worth it. And, right. and I thought, mm. I thought about that a lot when I started going through this process with my kids mm-hmm. and with them leaving and what do I want from this next stage of life? What friendships will take me through this next stage of life? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, which ones, we have so many friends, I'm sure you have friends that are moms um, mm-hmm. that you met along the way um, and that have been fabulous for, you know, getting information about school, what to expect, how the kids are doing, you know, whether in sports or theater or music, whatever their interests are, um, and they're invaluable. But mm-hmm. um, there's a point that when the kids leave, you are sort of faced with these changing relationships and how do you relate to one another at this new stage of life? And is this a friendship that will take you through um, into this uh, next chapter? And for me, that's been an interesting process. Mm -hmm. Um, Not all those friendships are forever. Wow, I never even thought about it. So it's a kind of a loss of, of connection and friendship too like the friends that you had what you talked about which are all kid focused right now what are you going to talk about right? right now that all the kids are launched I hadn't even thought about that I think that was in the chapter that I didn't get to <laughs> well and, but yeah and, that's a huge thing so it's a loss of connection also mm-hmm. loss of friendship it can yeah. also feel like um a beginning which is how right. I chose to, to sort of reframe it. I thought, well, mm-hmm. I need to reframe this. Um, so there's people, just like there are people that I met along the way that I didn't expect to meet uh, raising my children. Now there are going to be people that I meet for other reasons, for interests that have nothing to do with my kids and everything to do with my interests. Um, you know, mm-hmm. And who are those people and how will I find them? And it is a little bit more difficult to find people, I think, when the children aren't your reason for connecting right um, I can see that's, that. that yeah that's sort of an, an entree you know and a way to meet somebody and if you don't have those it's a little more difficult and I do talk about that in the book I was lucky enough to interview s- several wonderful therapists who gave lots of great tips and advice and then also in the book are interviews with other women um, in various stages of career um, mm-hmm. who shared their experiences uh, about friendships and love and marriage. The number one issue for the people I interviewed was what's going to happen to my, you know, marriage or my relationship uh, mm-hmm. when our children go away to school. Mm-hmm. That was the number one concern uh, mm. for most women. I'm in this um, book writing club, which is something that I'm doing to explore my passions. And I would like to write a book um, like yours from a spiritual perspective. And um, um it can, if it can be half as good as yours, I'd be very happy. Aww, um, it's really, um, I, I don't, I didn't say this in the beginning, but it's, uh, it's incredibly funny. And um, there are so many beautiful heartfelt passages in here. And uh, what I felt from, from reading us is that you're going, you're going through this whole process very consciously, which I think is very hard to do. I, I assume that you have, I don't know if you have some type of spiritual practice or, but this is a a conscious human being going through a very hard time. Um, And when I read your book and it was, um, it was really, it was really great. It would help me in so many ways. Like I, after reading and I went to my husband and said, oh, by the way, like, it may be hard, like when we drop them off, like, like, are we going to turn back and look at them? (laughs) Because I think it's really 
<laughs> drop off is is there's lots of advice in there about drop off. It's true, and I did exactly the opposite of what somebody told me not to do. So they said, do not look back. Once you say your goodbye, don't Why turn around, look back. back. That's what my husband's like. Well, we can look back if we want. I'm like, I know, but they, she's suggesting not to. But why not? Is it? Uh, I think you kind of come to terms with it at that moment that you're saying goodbye, um, and then when you turn back, I have never seen anyone not start to cry. I mean, that's just the, that's the bottom line. And I, I, I put my dark sunglasses on. I rolled my little, I had my suitcase. I was alone. That was something else I don't recommend if you can avoid it. It's rolled my suitcase into this bathroom at the student center. And I had gone into a stall and kind of got myself together and I came out and I'm not kidding. It was like a, a scene from a movie. There were several women in there. We all had red tip noses and we were all, we all clearly had done the same thing. And it was like this silent, oh yeah, understanding. And in one sense, it made me feel so much better. Um, but the other sense is that I started crying again. So I did get a tip in the bathroom about how my son should get a bicycle and where to get one. And um, so it, it, it was like, at least something good came from the cry fest. But um, I think it's yeah. hilarious. There are a bunch of moms in there just crying. Quietly. You know, Nobody wanted yeah. to admit we were all doing the same thing, but it was, it, we were, they kind of ring a bell on, on this particular campus and it was time for the parents to leave. So it's sort of en masse. Everybody, everybody goes and, and ooh. <laughs> Smart thing to do though, right? Because otherwise, you know, their kids are, your kids are like, go already and they probably don't want to say or maybe they do say go already and but it's like yeah. the bell kind of like no it's it's time for you to go now. it's really time for you to go my best advice to my son was the dorkiest thing about hey use Lysol on everything you know all the time it was just parting the, words yeah I bought you a huge can use it and by the way at the end of his first year I gotta tell you I don't think that can was just as full as it was when I dropped him off as when I picked him up. So <laughs> don't even go there. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I said, and also like the bedroom, when we walk past our son's yeah. bedroom, yeah. it's going to be empty. And that must feel awful. <laughs> like, what do you do? You keep the door shut? Do you keep it yeah. open? Yeah. I, I kept it closed. I it was just, I couldn't walk by his room. And, and I've heard this, I've heard celebrities say this, I've heard them on talk shows, I've read things about this. Uh, and I thought that's ridiculous. Well, I got home and I thought, Oh, I can't go down there. I can't, I can't <laughs> go by that room. It took me like a month. I closed the door to that room until I could feel for some reason, it was just this hollow, hollow, hallway. I couldn't go down there. But when my second son left, by the time he went to school, I found that was much easier. I mean, it was still difficult, but it, I realized they come back. Um, they, they do come back and they come back for holidays, hopefully, if you're able to do that. And, um, you know, they don't quit and you find, they don't quit on you. You find a way to stay connected and you work out a new rhythm and whether it's phone calls or texting, um, Skyping, letters. Um, you do have to get used to longer silences and, and really give them that space and that time, especially those first few weeks. 
mm-hmm. my husband and I kept texting each other, like, did you hear anything? No, did you hear anything? <laughs> and, you know, oh, my God, he, he, you know, he texted me. He said something. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, after a while, you realize, you know, there is a dialogue. It's just a new kind of a dialogue. And I they see. will come back. Yeah, so. you. Um, the way I found you is through J.D. Rothman, who both of us know, yeah. and she had said um, there was a passage in her book about wanting to have, she said, if I, if I would have done anything differently, I would have established what our communication would be. So did you That's talk right. about that with your kids? And if so, what did you what did you decide? Because I think it's like, how often do you text? Is it okay to text? Should you be calling instead? What are their expectations? Like with my parents, I called them every Sunday. That was the thing. Yeah. Um, I think it was easier when we were younger. And it was for me, it was after 11. It was long distance. And that's when the right. cheap rates were. And, yes, exactly. You know, it was like established. Um, yes, I did talk to my kids about it. You know, they were mom. They were kind of like, mom, uh, if it's the weekend, maybe you shouldn't call. Because um, right. that's going to be my busiest time. And you're welcome to text me anytime and I will try to text you back. Um, if I can't, don't panic, don't worry. Um, but I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm not dead. But I will. I will reply to you. You know, certainly within several hours of that text. But just okay. know it may not be immediate. And is that okay? Will that work? Um, and and that worked. And then I did work out. Like in case one of my sons was in school in Southern California. And the school's always sending, they do these drills for earthquakes and you get these notices. A lot of campuses now you get notices about any incidents that happened, any crimes or potential crimes. And so those things would kind of clutch clutch at me. And I I heard a lot of other parents say that too. So eventually I added that to the communication list of how do you want to do this? Can you preempt this? Can you tell me you're fine? So I don't feel like the pest saying, oh my God, I got this notice. Are you okay? And and right. we did figure that out. I think that it teaches them too, that it's not all about them. Mm. You know, they, they always know where you are. Right. But what they don't understand <laughs> is we don't know where they are. And right. so, you know, for them, they feel like everything's cool because they can always reach you in their mind. Oh, they're at home. They know, you know. So I had to, I kind of had to explain how it might work in reverse. And I think that's probably one of my best pieces of advice that I've learned the hard way is um, if you, if you explain to them how something feels for you, mm-hmm. something they might not have considered, and you kind of ask them to think of it in reverse. So, you know, uh, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that said, so if the positions were reversed, how might you feel they really do get a chance to experience it a little bit. And then they get, you know, they, they, they kind of give you that. They're like, oh, okay, I get that. I get that a little better. Interesting. Okay, so I have two conversations that I didn't have planned that I'm now planning. One, to talk about, um, hey, we're going to be changing. I'm going to be changing. You're going to be changing. We're Please, like, you know, give me, cut me a little slack. Um, but we'll have to work through these things ourselves. I got that conversation down. Good. I've got the communication conversation down with the sub bullet point of, uh, when your school says that someone had, you know, there's an earthquake or whatever, please just preemptively send me a note saying I'm alive. Okay. And then I right, right. panic up until then. Right. Um, are there other con- kind of conversations that um, you had with your second that you didn't have with your first or that you would recommend parents having before your yeah. child takes off? Well, and, and the, most of these, again, were because of um, the people that I interviewed for the book, the therapist that I spoke to. Um, encouraging um, conversation in general. Um, 
but they, you know, the idea is that I don't expect perfection from you. Um, you're going to have times w- w- that are great and times where that are not so great. And um, as you go about this process of, of this next stage of growing up and becoming independent, um, where our roles are shifting here, um, you know, please know that I'm here to guide you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, you know, and, um, you know, I, I won't judge you. I, I'm, I'm just here. So if I can lend any experience to, to what's happening, please don't feel like you need to hide it from me. Um, I know you can problem solve, and you've taken all these skills with you to school, um, but there are going to be times where, um, you know, I think I can help, so, so let me help, and I will try not to judge, and if you think I'm crossing the line, you let me know. So again, it's all about communication, but letting them know that it's okay to fail, um, mm-hmm. and that you're going to help them get back up again. They're going to help themselves get back up again, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Any other kind of conversation? So now that's uh, learning to fail kind of thing, and it's okay, and I won't judge you, which I think is just so important. I, I don't know if I will be able to perform it flawlessly, but it will well, be intentionally something that I will try. Well, one of the ways to get used to it, too, is, and I know one of your sons is going away in six weeks, but, you know, you, you start this transition ideally in high school, um, mm-hmm. you know, ideally even freshman year start talking a little bit about uh, the changes that are coming and and talking about how you can um, sort of hand over some of the responsibilities, the day-to-day responsibilities to your children and say, I'm going to stand back a little bit. I'm still here. I am not going to let you fall. I'm not going to, you know, uh, even when you go off to school, it's not like you're on your own now, um, but I'm going to take a step back here. And, um, you know, if you start doing that earlier while they're in high school, I do think it helps both of you get into the habit of them taking the lead at problem solving and you stepping back. So by the time they leave, it isn't such a a big shock, um, ideally. But again, I say ideally. It doesn't always work out that way. I started two years ago and it's still hard. But I think... (laughs) 
I yeah. did because I would I interviewed so many like yourself. I interviewed a bunch of child psychi- uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, I don't know what they're therapists. Yeah, therapists. Yeah, so I, I interviewed them and they had said, you know, start letting go now and you know, tell them that you trust them and all those kinds of things. And so we did do that probably about a year ago. It would be two like it would be for like three years. My youngest son had the benefit of that interview. But you know, for you know, about two years I've been parenting in that particular way. It was uh, just in time, I think. But it's still hard to do. It's still yes. hard to do. It it's is because we want to come behind them and sort of sweep things up. Um, yeah. I catch myself doing that all the time and my oldest son's twenty four now. But um, you know, I I feel lucky in that sense because when there are major things happening now, because we were in the practice of, of communicating and talking about it, um, he, he will turn to us and he will, you know, he will share information. And now I, I try very hard because I practice it so much to say, would you, you know, are you looking for some advice or do you want me to just listen? And that sort of may, helps me pause because my yeah. instinct might Please be Please say to you say, want advice. Because <laughs> yes. the instinct is just to do it, right? Okay, this right. is what you should do. But so now it gives me a moment to stop that, to say, would you, are you looking for this or what would you like this? And they'll generally answer you. Um, some of the other things really have to do with friendship, marriage, relationships, and your career. And, um, and we touch upon all of those in, in the book. Um, but reevaluating those friendships, trying to find the friends in this next stage of life that um, are there for you as well as you there for them, um, mm-hmm. because sometimes it can become very one-sided. Um, mm-hmm. And you want the people who inspire you, because this is your chance to do a lot mm-hmm. of the things perhaps you didn't have time to do, weren't able to do, uh, mm-hmm. from a literal time perspective, from a money perspective. Um, and you want those people to be there uh, for you as you will be there for them. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I need laughter. So I tend to find people that, you know, can share the joy as well as understand the sorrow. Um, right. And that works for me. you got to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. But, and in terms of a career, you know, for the women, women who perhaps haven't had one but would like one or are in one that they're not happy with, um, you know, career counselors are great, online tests, assessment tests, there's lots of sites that I refer to in the book where you can go on and sort of um, evaluate, you know, where you are and what, where you might want to go. Uh, make a list of the things that as a parent, as a mom, that you did, um, and you'll find there are some incredible skills there and see how they might translate to careers. Um, it's all empowering, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's all a reminder that you're worth it, um, as mm. we were talking about. And with just, your relationships, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just okay. have a question about career, yes. because you said something interesting. Um, you said earlier in our discussion, you said, you know, I was a journalist full-time, and then I went part-time to freelance, and I thought I'd, like, put my finger in the career bucket so that you were surprised when you left, um, you know, when when the kids left, that you're like, wait a second, that's not what I was expecting. Tell, tell me a little bit more about what that mean, meant for you, at least. Because I, I did something similar. I was in business full time, but then I I took a, you know, I did a, a kind of equivalent to a freelance. I worked as a life and career coach in business right. and, and career and all that stuff. So I've kept my finger in the, yes. you know, in, in the work 
scenario so that I wouldn't feel I, I for me it was just super important to do that right. um so what happened for you so you you when when the kids left what happened for you in your own career I ramped up um, somewhat uh, starting to do this work where I work with a literary agent. And Mm -hmm. so I was able to add a little bit more hours there, but the book became my big thing. I thought my big thing as a writer for for all these years, especially writing about health and and parenting um, to a large extent, and a lot of it was uh, essay writing or first person writing, um, Mm -hmm. was sort of paying it forward. I have met so many extraordinary women who shared all along the parenting journey with me their their truest feelings mm-hmm. and um, sort of um, helped me go stage by stage. And so I've always loved this concept of paying it forward. Um, mm. And this book was my way of sort of taking all of that and then also reaching out to a wider audience of women um, with all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of experiences and challenges and, and interviewing them and interspersing those stories with some of my uh, personal stories and the therapists and putting it in, in one form because I felt like I needed it and it wasn't there for me. And mm. that's my thing. I just, uh, I, I just think it's so important because the value in a, in a, a real-life experience is so much greater than um, perhaps... Um, a theory, you know, it's like when you mm-hmm. go to the doctor and they say, here's this pill and you'll be fine. But right. then you talk to a person who's taken it and they say, well, I wasn't really fine. This is what really happened. Mm-hmm. I really value the the medicine, but I also equally value that real story. And so when did you start writing a story? Did you write it when your first child left, your second child left? and And how long was it from you know, so you were talking about meeting with experts, talking to a lot of other women and incorporating those stories. How long did it take you to write this book and what was the process of writing it? Well, aside from the ones you talked about already. Yeah. The first, uh, there was a whole, that book started with a series of essays that I wrote for the Huffington Post. I did a a one-year series for them um, and they featured a story a week that I was, as I went through the process, and it started about a year before my last son left for college. Okay, got it. So um, that was that one year, and then there was another year of writing the book and incorporating those essays, altering them, and then doing all the interviews um, for the book. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a a long process, and then it's another year for the book to go, I got an agent and, and, yeah, and then eventually, you know, we found a a house for the book that published it. And then that's another year, um, before that book book actually gets in book form and comes out. So it was Mm. a three year process. It was, it was, uh, I don't know how long it takes. How long is it? Elephants are pregnant or giraffes? <laughs> it's around yeah, about it's the long, same. A long time. It's a very long time <laughs> before I birthed that that book. <laughs> yeah. And what have you heard from from um, people who've read the book? I mean, because your your goal was to pay it forward. Meaning, I've been so blessed by talking to these experts and such, and so now I and and it's there is a benefit to having a real life person and hearing about their experience. What have you heard from people who've read the book? Well, the women who shared their stories with me have just been so moving to me and just so rewarding um, to hear. I, I, I see a lot, and I, I belong to a couple of Facebook groups where there are parents um, 
who are going through um, getting ready for their kids to go away to college or have just gone off to college or to the military or just have moved away from home. Um, and their stories are just so moving to me. Um, and there's this sort of universal theme there um, that regardless of the kind of parenting that you do, there's this sort of spot, you know, right here. And it's hard not to to uh, relate or understand just in a word. If somebody says, or a few words, my, my child's going to college. I think anyone who's ever been through it, it's this crazy mix of pride uh, mm -hmm. that you've helped them grow these wings and now they're sort of fluttering away. Um, and this uh, sadness and, and you're mm -hmm. trying to reconcile it. And so that's when the book seems to be... Uh, really resonates because mm -hmm. they're looking for these stories to help them feel normal. And then mm -hmm. how do I, how do I unfold from this cocoon that I may not want to tell all my friends I'm, I'm in, right. how do I get off this couch? Um, how do I move forward? But not in a way that somebody says, get out and uh, go make new friends and go try a hobby. And those are great pieces of advice. And, uh, but they, it doesn't really say how to do that because you really have, it's a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. um, it really is a mindset shift. So what's a mindset shift that, how, what's a mindset shift that helps you move forward? Cause you talk about that several times in the book that it, they said, don't look back, go forward. So what's right. the mindset or is that just the mindset? What, what is the mindset? Well, you, I, you know, some of it is the, about thoughts, and um, if you're having these thoughts and you're suddenly uh, thinking, well, I'm not good enough, I'm, it's been too long since I've worked, um, I'm too old, um, I don't really have the skills I thought I had, um, you know, you sort of start by letting those thoughts, you let those thoughts in, you try not to judge those thoughts, you just let them happen, and then you, you keep moving forward. Um, and for me, it was, okay, I'm going to try things in smaller steps. I'm not mm -hmm. going to look at it like I have to go get a job. That's a giant leap from, you know, wherever I was to where I wanted to be. So what can I do each day that's a little bit different or for a week at a time that's a little bit different? What if I just start by, you know, I talked to other women about doing this, uh, going online and trying one site might have some assessment tests that I can do for free and I don't have to talk to anybody. If it's mm -hmm. too intimidating to go do that, then what if I try this? Or as it relates to friendships, uh, you know, if you want to make new friends, well, it's gigantic to me to join a club, maybe. But what if I just go kind of put myself in, uh, hey, there's a talk tonight at a bookstore, and it's free. And the subject matter is something that relates to women. What if I just get myself to go sit there and be a part of that? So again, like mm -hmm. small steps, things that are approachable and easy, uh, and that eventually these things sort of become habit, because that's the idea, is you, these things become habit just as everything became habit as a mom, you know, as your, as your children grew um, and mm -hmm. the things that you did for them that you may not have thought you'd ever be capable of doing. Mm -hmm. So, again, eventually you start to realize you're capable, you're out there. It doesn't seem so hard. If you feel shy, you start to perhaps feel a little less introverted or less shy because you start to get a comfort level with certain kinds of environments and experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's reminding me of this, this, uh, this cartoonist who has this book called Say Yes to the Little Yes. 
It's like, you know, there's a yes in you. You don't have to say yes to the big yes. Like, okay, I'm going to like go find a job, you know, say yes to the little yes. Like listening to a new MP3 about something that you may be interested. It could be a very little yes. yes. It could be just driving a different way than you used to. It's like you're right. just trying to shift the um, neurological patterning that has happened in your brain that just, you know, you drive the same way each time to go to the grocery store, drive a different way, right. drive the longer way, <laughs> whatever it is, just shifting up the way that you do things so that you get used to making small changes and seeing different perspectives. So that's what I'm hearing we, is what you're saying is a shift. Absolutely. Saying, yeah. And we're not too old to try new things. And the brain is constantly rewiring your, itself. And as and as we age in this concept that people say, no, I'm set in my ways or he's set in his ways, she's right. set in her ways. And it's it doesn't need to be that way because it doesn't matter what age you are. Um, new experiences sort of shoot off all these, you know, fireworks in our brains and, and it rewires itself. And so mm. we are capable of learning new things and trying new things. So if you think, I'll never learn how to use these computer programs, it's not true. You really could if you'd like to. Mm-hmm. It may not be your aptitude. It may not be what you're good at um, and best at, but you could if you needed to. Um, and at this stage of life, you really do want to match your interests um, and your and your sort of philosophy and way of thinking um, with something that um, you can actually have a career at. In, you know, interning is a great thing to do. There's mm-hmm. lots of internship programs for people who um, mm-hmm. have kids going off to school. You don't have to be in your 20s to do that's that. That's a great idea. I would never, would never even thought of that, but that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, you're, you're learning and volunteering your time, and you never know who you're going to meet. And you get to try it on for size, too. Right. And they're going to value you because, because you do have... A, uh, wisdom and you have been living a life and you know they're probably yeah. gonna say hey I bet I bet that person will actually get here at 8 eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah well and there's also like a bunch of transferable skills as a mom that you probably don't even realize that you have but I think so that many. those are huge as well all right I want to um, spend the next eight minutes if we can talking about uh, sure. uh, relationships with your husband or a significant sure. other and how because right. you talked that that there are three big changes we've talked about career we've talked about friendship and then the third one you said was with your relationship with your spouse or or a significant other. Um, what what happens? You know, we again became very aware of this, my husband and I, before our oldest one went off to school. And we started doing these sort of Saturday lunches um, mm-hmm. where we'd go out. I mean, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I didn't take the time. Saturdays especially were, you know, kid-focused. Kid there were so many things to get to. But as they started driving, um, and needing us less, and we didn't need to go to every activity on a Saturday, I thought, mm, let's try this. Um, and at first, we just talked about our children. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we kind of set a rule that it was like, mm, 15 minutes or less, which is really hard. I know. It's, I'll say to my husband, processing time, but let's limit it. <laughs> we'll yeah. talk about okay, all these different things that we need to do. But yeah, you so kind of go back to where you were when you first met, but better because you have this sort of bond of raising these children or starting this family or if it's a new relationship um, uh, and this is somebody that you've been seeing or somebody that you, a second marriage um, you know you still you need this time that that you can reconnect and and 
you learn, uh, you relearn about this other person. There were things about my husband that I'd forgotten, his particular sense of humor, uh, mm. where we were just telling stupid kind of 12-year-old jokes, and, and it was funny, but you kind of lose that sometimes yeah. in life, when life gets very serious. Um, yeah. And I kind of let those things happen instead of thinking about, the long list of things that needed to be done at home and the ways mm-hmm. we needed to be an adult. And I just kind of let us be kids again. And yeah. so I love yeah. that idea of becoming kids again. I'm, Cause that's, that's how I feel like with my husband and myself, it's almost as um, it's like, well, the kids are gone. I'm like, let's go see a movie. Okay. Let's yes. go try it. You know, it's all these things. I'm like, well, why couldn't we like we, there's no reason why we can't go and do these things. So we just, for the first time, left them on, you know, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday by themselves. And you know what? They lived and they ate yeah. food, you know, like yeah. everything right. happened, fine, you know, yes. without us, perfectly fine. They were happy. We were happy. But it's some of those things were like, wait a second, we can do these things that we forgot that we stopped doing. You kind of just forget you have amnesia about who you are, who you were before you became responsible parents. Yes. So I love that. That that sense of being on call, that sense of being on call, you're still on call when they're at school, but Mm -hmm. it is different. Your time, you start to retake your time. And the question is, what am I going to do with this time uh, that I, this extra time that I have? And you have to let yourself do those things, including um, having fun with your, your partner. So that was, that was, I remember when they were first younger, I was just this constant sense of time scarcity. I don't have any time for myself. I don't have any time for myself. And then after a while, you just get used to not having any time for yourself. So when you get it back, it's like, you know, what am I going to, and it sounds like such a weird thing. What am I going to do with all this time is a question that I've never even pondered, you know, because I just have never had any excess time, but it's, and, but if I really think about it, I've had little slices, like each time they get old, you know, each year that passes, you have a little bit more, but the question is whether you still run the operating procedures from the previous time, or if you go, wait a second, I have more time. I don't have to do these things anymore. You get your breakfast, you do the laundry, you do all this stuff. And you're like, and now I found my, more time, <laughs> but it takes, you know, it's, it's a weird thing to all of a sudden have so much time. It's a, it's a wonderful problem to have, but it's a problem because we don't, we're almost, we don't know what to do. With ourselves. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel <laughs> like, and, and I actually, the first few not to overuse that word, but time, the first few times that happened to me, I rehearsed in my head and actually made a physical list of <laughs> all the potential things that I could accomplish, the need to do things and the want to do things. By the time I had finished that list, I was like, I think I'm kind of tired now. <laughs> and I just, went, <laughs> I just went to sleep because that was also on the list. <laughs> like, oh, I could just do some of this another time and go right. to sleep. Um, right. And that was great. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. But it's fun because I was like, well, we could travel and I could learn Spanish. I could learn to cook. Like all those things that I would never, I'm like, I never have enough time to do any of those things. Right. All those things can happen now. Yes, they um, can. You know, so someone um, mentioned to me in my book writing group, uh, she said something really interesting. She said, you know, um, 
at the end of, you know, marriages are meant for three things. They're either meant for you to work out your karma. So, you you know, your family of origin issues or whatever kinds of things, like you marry your daddy or mommy or whatever, like whatever, you, you're working out your, your relationship issues generally. And she said, or it's to raise kids. Or the third is that you're on a mission together. And what happens is marriages end when those things aren't happening, right? If, you, if you've if you raised the kids and you don't have any shared sense of mission or purpose with that loved one, or you've worked through all your karmic issues, I, I think what happens during this empty nest time is people, some people end up, you know, divorcing or, right. you know, splitting apart. And I think that, um, I, I thought that that was such a helpful frame because it's like no judgments, no, uh, what did I do wrong? You know, it's like, it's just, that's just what happens, right? You've raised a family, you're that was your job. You raised your family. Your job is done. And now you move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a very interesting, not only because it gives a no harm done kind of scenario for people who decide that they want to split apart, but right. also because it gives the, another option, which is what's your mission together? Like what, as a That's couple, what's your way to look at it? Yeah. And I think that that, you know, the, all the exploring and talking is like, now what's our shared mission? Cause when my last, in our last anniversary, I said to my husband, so what's V3 look like for us? You know, version 3.0 of, mm-hmm. of our lives. What does it right. look like for us? What do we want it to be? Um, do we both want to go back to work? Do we not, but, you know, what, what do we want this to be? Do we want work ramp up? Do we want our spiritual retreat? Like, what, what, what do we want? And it was so helpful to just say, well, what do you really want to do? Uh, and, you know, we decided, you know, I want to like live in different countries. I Like we could never do that with kids, but let's just spend a month living in France just for the hell of it because we both have jobs that are mobile. So w- what's stopping us from doing that? Um, but it was those kind of conversations that were actually moving from dread to excitement. Um, I think using your um, parlance moving forward, um, right. that was super helpful. What What did you find helpful aside from like making time and kind of being more childlike and remembering your husband? What was useful for you or what have other people shared was useful? A lot of people have talked about how they finally were able to travel. I mean, I've known met lots of people who have successfully done it with their kids all along, which mm-hmm. I just think is fabulous. But I, yeah. Um, but sort of being able to see the world again and doing some of those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, really the number one thing for me and, and uh, suggested by uh, a couple of therapists, one in particular um, that's mentioned in the book, she just says, returning to your childlike spirit, you know, mm-hmm. think back to your childlike self and, and what, what was it you loved um, and is that something you can recapture um, in some way, um, and if you can, if you can take that for me, if I can, kind of push that button um, in whatever way. Sometimes it's just watching a silly movie um, mm. with my husband, and I start to laugh like I did when I was a kid, um, and that sort of sets off this chain reaction that, and it stays with me. It lives with me for mm. you know a day or two days or three days when I think back to that movie, and then I feel like in general I approach everything in my life differently. I approach my husband differently. Um, uh, I approach my work differently because I, I can keep up that level. Um, if you can find a way to maintain that, to sustain that so that you look forward to things. So for me, 
we found this TV series on Saturday nights that's just ridiculous, and they play really old, uh, terrible horror movies, especially from the 30s and 40s that are so campy, right? But it's so goofy, and it just puts me, just thinking about sitting down to watch that uh, puts me in a great mood and then thinking about it for the next few days. So I try to plan things that make me feel sort of that same way that those movies mm, do. Um, so that, that I know if I'm going to have an intense couple of days, I can look forward to something um, mm. other than the mundane. So I love that. Um, we've been, um, I thought a perfect way to wrap up. We've been talking to Melissa T. Schultz and we've been talking about a book from mom to me again. And I love that idea of returning back to our childlike innocence as our children become adults. <laughs> something it's it's ironic, right? Yes. There's yes. parallels and beautiful in that, in that really interesting switch of roles, right? It's oh, love that. Thank you so much for being here. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Fired Up with CJ. You can join the conversation, contact CJ Lou yourself, subscribe to her YouTube channel, and find her Facebook page. And check out more shows online now. Get links to it all at firedupwithcj.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.